Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Today on the Ether, into the Yumiverse with Akash. Let's take a listen. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Into the Yumiverse. Um, we're definitely excited to have our, our special guest today, Greg uh, from Akash. And we're, it's actually a pretty appropriate conversation today because we're actually setting up a whole bunch of different infrastructure and nodes um, for our public site. And so definitely want to talk to Greg and, and see how we can integrate Akash even more. Um, but yeah, it would be great to have our, our whole front end kind of hosted by Akash eventually. So we'll get into that in just a couple uh, minutes. We'll get you some updates um, on UMI first. So first of all, um, we are in sort of like launch mode for a couple different assets. Um, we previously had the V4 upgrade, which brought historical into play, um, which Waz and his team um, so graciously gave us. And that is a really exciting feature that allows us to host a lot of local liquidity assets. And so starting on Friday, uh, we'll be actually releasing those assets. So what you'll see is Osmo um, from Osmosis. You'll also see Stride assets like ST Atom and ST Osmo. And you'll also see um, a all-new Cosmos native stablecoin, IST, from Inner Protocol, uh, also Agoric, um, all the guys like Dean Tribble, Zucky Mannion um, that are involved. Some really great work there, and we want to be able to support all the Cosmos projects. So yeah, that's going to have, um, that's all going to be out on Friday morning uh, Pacific Standard Time. We'll release a bunch of tweets on that. There will be some supply caps on um, the newer assets just for safety reasons. Um, so if you're looking to actually supply anything and borrow or anything like that, I would advise um, to stay aware of those. Uh, follow the Twitter account, follow Discord, because those those supply caps will probably fill up rather quickly because um, I know there's quite a bit of demand for some of these assets. So. With that being said, um, we've got a couple cool new features that we're working on outside of that. Uh, we're starting to basically scope out what we've called bridgeless. And so what that is, is what we want to be able to do is we want to give Ethereum users sort of the lowest barriers of entry into Cosmos. And what that kind of looks like is, and when you think about what the biggest barrier to coming over to Cosmos, I think for a lot of users, it's the bridges. Um, bridges tend to have a bad reputation because of some of the um, hacks that you've seen. So we've seen Nomad get hacked with Evmos. We've seen um, Wormhole. We've seen a lot of different exploits, Axie Infinity and, and, and so forth. So we want to make sure that you know people have the best ability to come to Cosmos without having some of that risk. And so what we're exploring is basically the ability to have your collateral stay on Ethereum and to be able to borrow on UMI and vice versa. And so what that looks like is basically a vault system um, that's integrated with Axlar's uh, general message passing. 
So some really technical items there. We'll be releasing a lot more information on that as we start to build it out. Um, but yeah, what this is going to do is open up the floodgates for a lot of capital to flow in from Ethereum and other EVMs. Basically, the same technology we apply to Ethereum, you'll be able to apply to Avalanche, to uh, any any EVM chain, and possibly even the Cosmos EVMs uh, if they wanted to integrate as well. So a lot of exciting work being done there. Um, Waz, I wanted to kick it to you really quick so you can give us an update on how OHO is going with the testnet and what we can expect for, for the public. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say, I don't know about you, but I love bridges, Brandon. They're my favorite thing, and that's why I'm in Cosmos. I love IBC bridge. I, <laughs> that's how I feel about the other. No. Hey, IBC is not a bridge, okay? Don't tell anyone. Um, no, I'm, I, you know, OHO's, OHO's going really, really well. We've been a little bit focused on the UMI side lately uh, with the historical upgrade. Um, you know, bringing over these liquid staking derivatives to UMI has been a huge deal. Um, because we just want, uh, you know, safety to be in mind. And on the OHO side of that, um, we're, you know, we're, we're super excited to bring this information over to, you know, all, all kinds of protocols. You know, Stride has been talking to us saying, you know, we've got these, you know, 10, 20 different DeFi projects that need our pricing data effectively. And, um, you know, in order to build out what we want for the greater cosmos and have, you know, the liquidity that liquid stake and derivatives provide, you need safe oracles. And that's what we're doing. So the, the OHO testnet has been going really well. This Monday, we announced that we've uh, deployed onto the secret network testnet, um, which has been pretty awesome. The shade guys have been involved and kind of waiting for that to come through so they can start testing out an integration there. Um, and then next week, we're going to be announcing deploying a testnet on another network, which is super freaking interesting because um, they may or may not have just, uh, you know, gone through a testnet upgrade that might be a copy of uh, our price feeder. So it uh, should be super fun. And I, I'm super excited for that. And then we're uh, coming up on audit season very soon. So we'll be going through. Um, an audit and you know publishing the results and all the fixes so that's one step closer to hitting mainnet and bringing this data to the rest of the cosmos um but yeah that's it for my updates brandon that's uh we, we got a lot going on man yeah it's exciting so yeah i'm really excited for the next couple months we've got a lot of things that we're going to be announcing a lot of things that we've been working on sort of behind the scenes um that we get to bring to the light too and so yeah, man, I, I'm I'm super pumped for the next few months. Uh, before we jump into um, Akash, I gotta say I see a lot of corporate uh, corporate PFPs right here. Some profile pics. I see bands. I see uh, Delray. Can you guys hook us up with some corporate uh, profile pictures? I mean, can you get like a giant eye on one of them for Wall? Oh, that'd be dope. Oh. That would be so cool. Give me like a an octopus or Cthulhu or something, because we need some corporate. Uh, we need some corporate restructuring at Umi, please. Thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for that. All right. With that being said, let's jump into our guest. Um, we've got Greg uh, from Akash. Akash is one of the coolest projects, in my personal view, in Cosmos. Um, I think. Well, myself, I used to. Before Umi, I was at Amazon AWS. Was I think you worked a lot with Cloud as well um, at Fidelity before this. So this is kind of a special guest for us. We we follow the project very closely, and it's one of the ones that we're personally most pumped on. So with that being said, Greg, do you want to give a quick uh, TLDR on yourself and and what your what some of the fantastic work you're doing at Akash? Sure. Thanks for having me here. 
Bumi host, I don't know who I'm talking about, and Brandon, and was uh, we do. When I saw your handle, I thought it was actually one of our employees, Adam Adam Wozniak. Uh, yeah, I I actually get that a lot. We uh, when we were in Colombia um, at Cosmoverse, it was uh, we we met somebody from your team, and they thought yeah. I was joking when I introduced myself. So <laughs> kind of fun. We have a boss, two bosses, and a was in uh, in at uh, at Old Rock Labs, the team behind Akash. So that's cool. So anyway, my. <laughs> My name is Greg. I'm the founder for Akash and the CEO for Overclock Labs. Uh, Overclock Labs is uh, the the creator of Akash Network, and the best way we describe Akash is really, uh, you know, without all the buzzwords, it's it, it's the global computing spot market, right? So, spot markets are essentially markets for computing uh, spot markets. They're essentially markets where you can, you know, source. Uh, uh, you know, uh, computation usually from computation resources that are that are underutilized. So Akash is a global uh, market to source underutilized capacity, right? So the way you would, uh, you know, the best analogy that I could use to describe Akash uh, would be something like Airbnb versus Hilton, right? So if you look at Amazon Web Services like a Hilton, where you get you go to a, a centralized place and you get a whole lot of like you know, same exact service, no matter what Hilton you go to, where you go to Airbnb, you get a variety of options you can choose from, uh, all the way from low-cost options to high-end options, right? So similarly, Akash is a place where you can get compute for 85%, 90% cheaper than Amazon, and or like get compute that's way high performance, maybe cost two or three times than Amazon, right? So it's, it's an open market for the globe. It's first of its kind. Uh, it's fully community managed and community owned. Uh, we have about 230 contributors uh, to Akash Network, uh, out of which uh, 18 contributors are employed by Overclock Labs. So over 90% of contributions come from outside Overclock Labs. Uh, so that just tells you the kind of uh, distribution we have from contribution, right? So that's critical for for uh, for, for decentralization, we believe. And we now have about 10 companies that built Akash, the Akash, you know, core. So I'm very proud of uh, uh, how diverse, uh, how, you know, how we have diversified over the years. Uh, Akash was also the first IBC chain. So the first IBC transaction that ever happened, happened between Akash and Cosmos Hub. And we adopted, uh, you know, Cosmos when it was called Tendermint in 2018, one of the first chains to do that. And through that sort of like, uh, you know, building, we ended up being the first uh, IBC chain. Not not planned. It was pure organic. So I'm, uh, I'm very, very, uh, what do you call, uh, pro-Cosmos. I've been on Cosmos for a very, very long time. We have enough sort of like scars to prove our, 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 our efforts there. And uh, super excited to see more of the app chain pieces actually play out, you know. So it's it's really, really good time to be here. And yeah, the big thing that we have coming up is GPUs and AI. So that's that's uh, that's very very exciting as well. So I yeah. gotta ask you about that because you know everybody's doing the meme, right? Like Akash.ai, and then the 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 uh, the token goes up thirty percent. Hello, Brandon. I think you uh, you cut out a little bit, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was I was just saying, you know, the the, the popular meme kind of going around crypto Twitter is. You know, Akash.ai, and then the the token goes up thirty percent. But I think it's a little unfair because you guys have been talking about AI and working on AI for years now. So 
Do you want to kind of shed some light on how Akash works with AI and kind of some of the processes you guys have? You guys have? Absolutely. I mean, it's like one of those things, like, you know, you seem like an overnight success, but nobody looks at the work you've done over the last years, right? If you look at our Twitter feed, uh, Akash's Twitter account, I mean, we're talking about AI since 2019, even 2018 in some cases, right? And the whole, like, Akash began, you know, one of the primary reasons Akash uh, exists uh, was to make, lower the cost of compute for AI workloads. Uh, AI especially is attractive because of the nature of the workloads, right? They're less privacy optimized, they're more parallelized, they're more, uh, they're great for like heavily distributed applications. Akash's model is, is amazing for, for AI, right, applications. So yes, uh, yeah, the popular meme, things are like, just because AI now is popular, it took years for a lot of the researchers to to get here, and uh, and uh, yeah, put something about Akash AI, and the token goes up 40 percent. But that's 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 the degen play, right? That's the and that that in a way tells you that there are fundamentals of crypto that are still alive. So now we're as we're coming off from a terrible like terrible slump that we had last year, and as the market is is self-correcting, self-adjusting, we're, we're going to see quite a lot of these like meme pumps, I call it, right? But fundamentally, where we're going with Akash AI is, uh, you know, really rethink what AI development looks like. Uh, AI development is in its early stages, right? It's in early stages uh, uh, and it's not really cheap. It's very, very expensive to train AI models. Even fine-tune AI model, right? Fine-tuning is sort of like a light version of training, you call it. So where Web3 in crypto is, is really, really good at sourcing uh, resources, right? But Web3 is not good at delivering the value, right? Like, if you think about it, we, we, we're, we're able to create something like Akash only using a decentralized permissionless model. Without an open model, Akash cannot exist. So, and the cost of resources is very, very obvious, like 90% cheaper. That's because we are able to get into places uh, behind firewalls that closed source software cannot, right? So crypto is really good for, at, at sourcing resources uh, at a cost-optimized model, whereas AI is really good at delivering the value. So Akash AI, the, 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 the vision is to give the cost efficiency in a manner that's easy for, for consumers to use. Our, our obvious target is uh, developers. So you'll be very, very soon seeing something like the best place to run stable diffusion would be in Akash AI. So we're going like that level of like, you know, uh, developer optimization. So, and think about like AI, AI is, the demand is incredible, right? Think about ChatGPT getting like 1 million users in five days and about 100 million users in 30 days talks about how optimized they are in terms of, in terms of like removing the friction for user adoption. But they're not really good at sourcing supply. I mean, like if you look at something like uh, Lensa, which is which made a lot of noise uh, with their PFP app, right? Um, they charge about eight dollars, I believe, per uh, per 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 uh, you know per person, just to like you know just to like fine tune your face so you can actually generate this PFP. That's just tip of the iceberg, right? So many use cases. Uh, right now on AI, that is that is not coming to market because the cost is really really high, in for like fine tuning. So by lowering the cost, uh, we can actually make AI more uh, uh, you know more more attractive, right? So 
and and that's the thesis behind Akash by reducing costs by by going to places, especially like after Ethereum merge. You know, we have about nineteen billion dollars worth of GPUs that are just sitting idle. Uh, so you know, we're working with large data centers, lot lot miners. You know, we have top two of the top five miners now uh, integrated into Akash and a lot of the operating systems. So in total, we have about 80,000 GPUs, I can think of, top of my head, that'll be coming to market. So now, what will AI do with 80,000 like high-end GPUs uh, that you know models can optimize for is uh, up to imagination. But we, Overclock Labs, the company, uh, you know, I think we're, we're taking a lot, uh, I mean, really our, our goal is to optimize uh, developer experience for AI, uh, you know, AI workloads. Uh, both in terms of cost as well as, more importantly, the user experience. So it's going to be a super exciting year for AI. That's that's a huge deal. I mean, part of the problem with AI is you can't have, um, you know, developers that have, you know, they have to have a low startup cost to work on something for them to truly kind of, you know, open that boundary. Mm-hmm. That, and that that's something we've seen in blockchain in recent years because the cost of running nodes has gone way down because of things like proof of stake mining. And we've seen mm-hmm. engineers come from developing nations and not out of huge universities where their ideas wouldn't have been shared otherwise. So that's, that's a huge deal. Absolutely. Make, making it more, you know, permissive and more like approachable, right? Like right now, if you're an AI company and if you want a 100, so AI, works on GPUs, right? And A100s or NVIDIA A100s are the top tier GPUs. Uh, a, a, you know, and next top tier GPUs will be H100, but A100s are the Ferrari. And there are only about like 45,000 A100s in the world. Uh, 10,000 of them are owned by Meta and, you know, 4,000 are owned by like Stable Diffusion. There are very few like A100s that are available, right? So if you go to Amazon, you you cannot purchase or lease an A100 server on demand. You have to go reserved. So there is like just, you can't even get the chips to, to even like innovate, right? Without committing like $100,000 a thing per month or something. So Akash's first, like Akash AI's first product you're going to see is A100s for less than one hour, less than a dollar per hour to run stable diffusion. So that's going to be the first product. And, um, and we're like, and for comparison, it costs about four dollars to get an A100 on uh, on Amazon if you commit hundred thousand dollars per month. So it's like the economics are like so great. Uh, the current infrastructure is failing, right? Like they cannot deliver to the demand. Uh, you know, demand AI generating. I mean, Google put a blog post out this morning talking about how the complexity of AI models is doubling every six months, right? So that rate at at, at which the demand is increasing is so high, outpaces anything we have seen in, in, in historically in terms of compute needs. And the only way to, to fulfill that is to go where there is, you know, deployed capital, like in terms of compute liquidity, right? So there's really, really no other model. So I'm super excited uh, for what, what the next few months are going to look like for, for AI and Akash. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that we see with uh, cloud providers is they charge sometimes exorbitant fees, not because they have to as an individual business model, but because mm-hmm. sometimes these big corporations, they have to absorb costs from other sectors of their business. And uh, especially in the case of AWS, you know, you see that with Amazon, they lose money on prime half the time, but the cost is made up through cloud. So, you know, running this sort of network will really open the floodgates for 
um, you know, development of engineers who wouldn't be engineers otherwise. That, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, we, we know, we're, we're actually, you know, we talk to AWS people, we talk to Google people, we talk to Microsoft people, we talk to a lot of them. Uh, and if you actually talk to these people, they, they're not, they don't, it's not they're bad or they're good, it's just the way they're set up, right? In a centralized company, they have to prioritize customers that are going to create the most value for them, right? Yeah, even as a protocol, I would think you would, you would optimize to create a maximum value to your token holders, right? It's just the difference between a protocol versus a company is that token holders happen to be people uh, that use a product, whereas in a company, that's not necessarily the case, right? So uh, protocols have much better alignment with its users versus a company can have, even though both have similar interests in terms of economic uh, you know, value capture, right? So that's why, uh, you know, uh, so like if you, you know, that's why Amazon's going to reserve their, high-end GPUs for people that are going to pay the most money. Uh, and there's nothing the, the people at, 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 at Amazon at work can do about it because if they're going to work against their show, shareholder value, that's not going to be great. So, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's, the, the argument is now about not, you know, evil Google or evil Amazon or even Microsoft. It's about this centralized, heavily centralized opaque structures versus open systems uh, that can deliver uh, better value than this uh, this 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 gigantic uh, you know institution. So that's why I'm so super pro decentralization, super pro open systems. Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, um, one of the biggest use cases that I can see is not just cost, but also uh, you know censorship resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we last year we saw a ton of that. Um, you know, with the with uh, you know certain sites being taken down uh, on mm-hmm. AWS and you know, uh, service providers not wanting to provide services based on, you know, a political party. And it doesn't really matter what political party that is. Sure. Um, but this, uh, you know, Akash seems to allow providers to decide what they want to host and partner in that way. And uh, that's that's a huge deal. The, what we believe, like, okay, so like censorship moderation, right? It's a big topic. What we believe is, you know, like, well, we believe in a free world. We believe in a free speech. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, we believe uh, you know, people should harm people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Akash has no uh, clause for censoring applications at a protocol level. But you as an individual provider have the right to choose who you want to host, right? So if there's a workload that, you know, that is universally considered bad, right? For example, if you have something like a child pornography, for example, a workload that nobody wants to do, nobody wants to host, Akash gives you the provision for providers not to host that. But if you have something that misaligns with your political views, as long as the provider that aligns with your political views, you got to be able to host that work, right? So instead of having few people, executives of large companies, decide what information should go out, Akash lets the people that use the cloud decide what information and, and what content they want to see and what, what they don't, right? Uh, the the, the Akash's model is, is shifting the censorship power or moderation power away from opaque structures to more open structures. And that's really what uh, how we think about censorship, right? Like Hetzner banning crypto is because some executive woke up on the wrong side of the bed one day and decided to go ban crypto, right? But nobody knows that, right? And that's horrible. 
And the kind of disruption that that caused, especially with like low, low cost optimized validators, was huge. Right, and that's not okay. These are not elected officials. These are not people that we chose. These are people that are working on, on, on you know, on like biases that are, uh, you know, that we don't know what what they're based on. Right. So, uh, and, and when you Consider cloud and computing as one of these fabrics that holds a modern society. It's very, very important to have transparency and 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 uh, control uh, by the people and uh, and not by few executives. And that's 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 how we look at censorship. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I I think AI coming up and the censorship resistance side of it kind of converge in the same point. Where right now you have the the most advanced AI is typically built by the people with the biggest wallets. And by default, with the only AI that we're seeing, it will necessarily lean to their human interests because that's how AI works. It's trained by the people that build it, right? So uh, by putting that in yes the hands no, of other but, people, yeah. well, but, but I mean, by putting that in the hands of other people, um, you know, that's a whole other form of censorship resistance. We're going to get different products out of it. Very interesting point you brought up. So let me two things about it, right? So first is like, yes, Akash is unstoppable, censorship resistant, permissionless cloud, so anybody can host, no one's gonna stop you. Uh, and and Akash in Sanskrit means the sky, right? It's also where the, the re- reason why we chose the name is because that's where the clouds are formed. So if you put Akash net, translate that literally into English, it becomes Skynet. So tomorrow, <laughs> That's awesome. Think about so Skynet is a place where machines can go and source supplies without any restrictions. So let your imagination run run course, and uh, and and you can see. But in this version of Skynet, people are in charge. So I think we'll have a better outcome than the last version. Um, I mean, let's hope. You know, <laughs> John. <laughs> That's Connor. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome, man. I don't know how many um, they got the joke, but I let the community do. Yeah. Yeah, we can have a whole. Version. Yeah, we can have a whole gov prop on whether or not they got the joke. You know. <laughs> and second thing that's concern uh, concerning is biases. I don't know if you saw the recent example uh, floating around where uh, somebody asked ChatGPT to write a poem about uh, Donald Trump, and it didn't, but it wrote a poem about uh, Biden. Right. And um, regardless what political parties you belong to, just the fact that AI decides or who is, you know, who it should write a poem about and who it shouldn't is very concerning. And that brings to a point is only as good as people that, uh, that you know, train it, right? So uh, LLMs, for example, or large, sorry, large language models uh, have a, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a training mechanism where it's literally human beings telling what is right and what's wrong, right? So it's reinforcement uh, training. So it's like, Literally, there's a human being that's like, you know, clicking up and down. So it's very, very critical for AI systems not to have the biases, and biases are driven by the human trainers. And as we get uh, ChatGPT being, you know, owned by OpenAI, which is a closed source company, uh, uh, the, the, uh, is, you know, partly responsible for the biases the AI has, right? The only way to like offset the bias is to go open and that's why I'm a big believer in something like stable diffusion uh, or, or in Whisper, as a matter of fact, right? Uh, Whisper is done by OpenAI, but at least it's, it's, it's open source. 
Um, and I'm like open source AI is, is, is coming at a rapid pace. Uh, I think like Stable Diffusion was able to attract about a million developers. Oh, sorry, don't quote me on this, but a large amount of developers in the most amount in the least amount of time at a record pace time, right? So a lot of uh, and I got a lot of hackathons, and there's always these two camps of AI devs. One camp is the one that believes in open uh, open source AI and want to train their own models, want to fine tune their own models, and they're like super. Uh, they they generally tend to be really good developers, and then you have the second camp that are everything open AI, right? Like there was this new hackathon project I saw was fascinating that that basically was using Chat GPT as a database. So you literally, without a backend, they could do everything on Chat uh, Chat GPT using just using a JavaScript frontend. Fascinating stuff, right? So there's that camp of people that all work only with APIs and are always going to, I guess, be, you know, censored or, or like, you know, have a data set that's not pure, right? So uh, I think the open the open systems would have been out. And I'm a big, big believer in that, like what we saw with the internet, right? Like 97% of the internet runs on Linux, which is open source, right? But it was not the first one. Unix was first. Uh, Unix ran the world for the longest time, but Linux ultimately won because people... Uh, you know, believe in open systems, and open systems are the best uh, petri dishes for network effects because they remove, uh, you know, uh, the friction between value exchange, which is trust, right? So, by minimizing the amount of trust uh, we we need to interact with each other, uh, can create much better coordination systems that brew network effects, and that's why I believe open systems are are the foundation for uh, for 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 massive adoption. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I mean, it's a it's a huge deal. There is so many concepts to kind of tackle that it's it's sort of impossible to cover all of the possible effects of decentralizing uh, computing power because it it just enables individuals to work almost as uh, corporations in that way. We're going to see a whole new landscape of innovation come out of it. It's awesome. Yeah, and and crypto especially has this tokenized systems that that can capture value and quantify value in 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 in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in form for money right so when you combine this this open systems with money you tend to create this incredible network effect right uh, and I, i'm i'm so like amazed by the the kind of uh, network effects we can get like for example uh, you know recently we found out akash was being in department of defense us department of defense was experimenting with Akash internally, right? And it blew my mind because like, wow, DOD, which is the, you know, the agency in the military that we want to be associated with. And they're, they're like state shooters. They don't, there's no bullshit. They're like, if they find something useful, they use it. And they were using uh, Akash internally to consolidate all the, you know, all the uh, supply for all the data centers each of the, you know, military units have, right? Like Navy has their own data centers and. Air Force has their own data centers. Now, using Akash, they can consolidate the supply and get a much better way to distribute the workload. And the privacy aspects of Akash is very attractive for 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 you know for the, for the uh, you know uh, confidentiality in, in the system, right? So, and that happened. Not Akash as a you know, Akash is not a company protocol. We don't have sales teams. In you know, Overclock Labs, you don't have sales teams, right? We don't have, especially we don't have sales teams that talk to the government. 
Well, this happened, and that's because of network effects, right? Because a bunch of Marine Corps officers and Air Force officers that believe in an open world uh, were influential in the military, and they implemented this at a hackathon that got that one person second place, and that you know went up the chain. And the procurement process, I believe, was cut short from eighteen months, typically to about two weeks, because you know people were able to see the value, and that's the kind of stuff open systems bring, right? Like so. I'm super, super, they take longer to get the value, but you know, the, the key for, for an open system to be successful is to, is to stay in the game for as long as possible and be consistent about ensuring the values are strong and consistent about progress. And if you combine these three, you're gonna win. I mean, open systems are a, a function of time and, and, and the longer they, they can survive, the bigger impact they're gonna have. So that's why when you put a crypto about like, Oh, not getting 100 million users on like in day five. No, because crypto doesn't work that way. Crypto's foundation is the openness of it, which takes longer, but the impact is much, much bigger. Yeah. And I, I think what you said about, um, you know, Akash being an open system and also existing within the context of crypto, that that's a, you know, that's a whole nother layer. I mean, imagine having uh, like liquid staking Akash and then being able to, you know, stake liquid staking tokens on Akash and borrow Akash tokens on UMI, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, that that just enables a whole nother level of, um, you know, yeah. usability from engineers because then they can still use those tokens that they're, you know, uh, receiving rewards for and, you know, spend it on servers instead of just exactly. cashing out. There's a very, another very interesting point you brought up is, is trust, right? Like, so today we have, Akash is very decentralized and we don't have like a web UI, for example, right? API only product. But we have like seven different companies building web UIs for Akash. And they know for sure that no one is going to pull the API key. No one's going to stop them from building if they build their entire business on top of Akash, right? And in your case, you're saying like, well, Yumi, you can, you can actually like collateralize in Akash tokens and the stake Akash tokens on Yumi and like add additional liquidity to a cost, right? So that happens without anyone's permission. And that happens as long as, you know, users of the system see value in it. And that's incredible network effects at play, right? Like, and also like today with, with the new economic model, we're, we're introducing real yield. That means you're gonna get, get a portion of the hosting fee uh, that are paid uh, on a cost goes to the stakers. Uh, and this is not coming from inflation tokens, it's coming from real hosting fees, right? So imagine that uh, becoming a derivative, uh, you know, that can be packaged in whatever form you want to be packaged on Yumi or other chains, right? So that's the kind of stuff that you don't get with centralized structures. It's just not It's not possible, you know. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me hyper bullish on Akash and and oh, I'm sorry, in in crypto and Web three in general. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that that for me, that's kind of why. Um, one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to start OHO within Umi was was to allow for other protocols to build on uh, on tokens like the Akash token, right? You know, ev everybody should be able to to build whatever they like, you know, lending markets, different types of money markets, uh, you know, different new crescents coming out every other week. Um, because, you know, essentially playing with money in a context where you're enabling, uh, you know, random developers who can't typically afford to create these uh, hugely competitive products, that's that's world changing. Yeah, one of my favorite things in the beginning of Kosh, I mean, uh, 
and and I want to see this happen more is there was a developer in Africa that never used cloud before because he doesn't have a credit card uh, and or no way to actually connect to your traditional finance system that the current cloud offers was able to deploy on a cloud because somebody sent him a bunch of tokens from, from the community. But he, his first cloud experience was on a decentralized cloud. There are about a billion people that are underserved, probably more, uh, that are underserved, that's full ripe of opportunities and motivation that are waiting to be unlocked. And I think that massive sort of uh, push is going to, uh, and they're going to be like technology first, they're going to skip the older generation and, and move to like newer generation, just like we see with cell phones, right? In India and, and places like that, where uh, you know, a lot of them are not used to the old cell phones, but are used to the smartphones and SMS first, right? So we're going to see similar like adoption for, for Web3 and, and crypto systems where people are not, don't need to be plugged into the old, uh, old financial systems. And uh, if you think about most youth uh, are like youth under like ages of 35 and most working class growth for working class populace is in countries like Africa. So, um, and I want to see more uh, adoption and I want to actually like even invest as a company also collapse into these, uh, these centers where they're unbanked and, and, and full of talent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm super excited to, to see the ripple effects over time. Um, I, I do think we're going a little bit late though. I think we have a few community questions to go through. Is that right, uh, Daniel? Yeah, we got a couple. Oh, right on. Are they, they in the dock? Um, first one. Oh, yeah. First one is how can Umi benefit from working with Akash? Brandon, um, yeah, do you want to take this? We went over a little bit. Yeah, sure. So th there's there's plenty of ways that we can benefit. I mean, the obvious ones are using Akash to sort of um, sort of as like a resource for our for our infrastructure. So running nodes through Akash, we've we've actually got a, a pretty huge project coming out where we're going to have to run probably nodes from most chains. And so we're looking at Akash for that. I mean, definitely the cost savings in and of itself, but also just the innovation they're doing there. And then from a more um, like lending and borrowing perspective, there's the aspect of adding the uh, AKT uh, token, uh, which we definitely want to get on UMI. And so you can use that to supply, to borrow, um, because you know creating markets around any token really helps the health of that token in the long term. So we want to be able to provide that. So I think those are the two primary ways, infrastructure for UMI's, uh, UMI's nodes and everything, and then also just um, you know integration with the token. Yeah, I, I know OHO is going to need a lot of that too because we're building custom indexers for different DEXs that are coming online. So we're definitely going to be working uh, together with that. Uh, this one is for you, Greg. Uh, what are the best ways to interconnect AI with crypto? You know, whether that's you know development, uh, governance, anything really. The the way I look at AI and, and crypto is like I said before. Crypto is really good at sourcing and terrible at, de at delivering the value. Really good at, at capturing value, but terrible at delivering the capture value. What that means is the user experience in crypto is not like anywhere close to what user experience uh, that you can do with AI, right? Like, and AI is like really good at like delivering value and terrible at sourcing that, that supply, right? Um, 
So anything that has that can bridge like the the network effects and the supply capabilities from Web three to the usability and the user focus of AI is going to be a winner, right? And that's really where the where the intersection is. Uh, I don't see a place for on chain on chain like models and stuff. I mean, I do see a place for like model marketplaces. Uh, using blockchains as public coordination systems, which they're really good at. Uh, but I don't, I mean, be wary about things that, that, if you go to a website, be wary about things that are hyper-visionary in terms of like, you know, solving world hunger using AI and blockchains kind of stuff. But really ask yourself, like, where is AI really good at? Where is Web3 really good at, right? And uh, th that would be my focus, uh, if you ask me. So I'm, uh, I, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think one of the uh, misconceptions that a lot of people have um, about AI is that, you know, one model can kind of do anything. And that that's realistically not the case, right? You can't have, um, you know, chat GPT is it's one of the broadest examples, but realistically, you can't have it, you know, um, spin up network instances, you know, it can't do like automated tasks because it's a chat interface. So those those hypervisionary stuff where, you know, people are uh, describing these crazy things that they can create in a very short term. I, I completely agree. You got to be very cautious about that. I mean, like it gets. It only gets things right, maybe 40 percent of the time for me, like if you put sufficient anything sufficiently complex, like a mathematical equation, like the other day I was trying to compute like a exponential decay function, uh, curve, curve function, and it has to give to give me, it gave me this beautiful equation that looked, that looked pretty right, right? I mean, it was so elegantly presented with such confidence. Then I actually put the formula in my, in my, in my thing and it was working and it took me like, I don't know, three hours or four hours to figure out that formula was fortunate, right? So it gives you wrong answers with such high confidence that actually throw you off what you're doing. So be very, very careful on one when you use ChatGPT. Um, uh, it's really good for writing emails, I agree, but not so good at doing anything that has reasoning and deep logic. Uh, and I think that Codex is solving that, you know, is another model. Uh, but be very wary about LLMs in general, or large language models, right? So. Uh, we're not there yet. We're, I think there's quite a lot of work by the time we can, you know, sufficiently say this is, you know, this is the greatest thing. But what we are really tracking is towards artificial general intelligence or AGI, we call it. And that's way far, uh, you know, uh, down the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things to put into chat GPT when I'm asking it to write, uh, you know, some code is consider consider every edge case. And it never does. So <laughs> no, it, it's terrible. It's terrible for writing code. I mean, like it's really. I use the GPT three, which is like a Copilot, a GitHub Copilot, uh, to autocomplete a lot of the code, which is very helpful. Sometimes it, it's good at like building like general, general like you know like logic, uh, which is really good at. I actually write everything in Markdown files now, including emails, like. Essays, blog posts, all that is written in Markdown because I can use like my Visual Studio and uh, and uh, Copilot. So it's really good for use cases like that. It's really good at like summarizing some of the text. Like when I'm writing like blog posts, I tend to go 
full raw. I don't optimize my English or my grammar or anything. And I use another tool called Maker AI that'll summarize and I shorten my text and make it more direct. So things of that nature, it's really helpful, right? So I would say AI right now is responsible for 40% of my productivity. So it's really good when you're like increasing productivity, but it's not a magic bullet like what people think. Like it, it can't give you a formula, a correct formula uh, that you want to use in your, you know, your, your modeling or any, any heavy like critical thinking stuff is not going to help you, uh, you know, find a magic bullet. You still have to do the critical thinking, but it will help you do things much faster, like writing, writing stuff and whatnot. So that's where yeah. this way it stands. Yeah, every time I every time I have to write a medium article, you know, I just I just don't want to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all have starting problems, and a lot of times it's just for me, it's the blocker about writing it well versus actually writing content, right? Like, in more often than not, the best articles are always like I just do a brain dump first, not think about structure or not think about, you know, how the end product is going to look like, and and you know, use different mechanisms to like get to a final product and AI is a great, great helper in that, in that round. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to see all the innovations that come out of this in the very short term. I think we're going to see a lot of growth, uh, but mm -hmm. we are coming up here short on our time. Uh, Brandon, do you have any additional questions for, uh, for Greg here? Uh, I don't. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just super pumped for everything Akash is doing. I mean, they're, they're innovating so much and it's, it's great to see them in the cosmos. I mean, we always want to pump Cosmos projects, but sometimes, you know, the projects, maybe they don't deserve pumping, but Akash is one of them that absolutely does. So uh, really, really pumped for this. I think we have one more uh, community question, though, was, um, let's see. Okay, how would AI, how would AI powered lending and borrowing protocol look like? That's Ooh. a really interesting question. Um, I guess that's for us. Um, what I would say is, you know, like one of the first products I ever personally built was like a machine learning um, based sort of risk rating profile for like financial institutions. And that's something I think that could really help with crypto. Like we've talked about um, potentially doing like a compliance module so that to make basically UMI like a little bit more legit in the eyes of like regulators. So doing things like automating uh, AML, like anti-money laundering. Uh, Bank Secrecy Act compliance, just making sure that we don't send things to certain uh, addresses in certain countries that are like high, um, high, like terrorist financing and stuff like that. These are things that I think a lot of these regulatory bodies will look for eventually. And so if we want to do something like UDX, which is like our planned lending DAO, where we can actually lend like under collateralized loans in the future to like large scale um, like businesses and stuff like that. Then I think that we'll have to we'll have to find a way to incorporate that into the blockchain itself, and and so that we can you know earn earn the favor of the regulators, but also still be able to operate in a decentralized manner. So I think stuff like that is definitely where AI is going to come into play. Things like automating the ability to risk rate certain things, and then also as we're as we're coming up with our um, governance parameters like um, different interest rates as well as different um, risk parameters like how much supply we can give having uh machine learning abilities there and in ai in general is definitely something that's going to make us a lot more sophisticated and, and to be able to take on greater risk in a safe and, and responsible manner uh, and then obviously if we can partner with with akash on any of these things to run our infrastructure 
and to process some of this these um, these high level processes. I think that's going to be a, a beautiful partnership. So those are things I'm looking forward to. Uh, Waz, you got anything else to add? Well, I mean, uh, just imagine, you know, sourcing all that information for the UMI blockchain and then using OHO to, you know, give anyone access to the results of a, you know, machine learning uh, system like that. I mean, I, you know, that, that'd be huge, right? Absolutely. I got another, another unique take on how lending and borrowing could be optimized with, with, uh, with, you know, the AI, right? I mean, actually, like, there is a big need right now to finance uh, companies that want A100 chips. Like A100s or H100s are like top tier. And it's, uh, I can see an opportunity for a DAO that can effectively run like in A100 farm or, or H100 farms and uh, use the yields uh, based on that on that uh, on that farm to further collateralize an asset. Right. So, I mean, it's a different way of looking at like financing, but I think the financing should uh, move away from like centralized lenders to more decentralized lenders. I, and the reason I'm saying this is is because I am actually seeing, in fact, um, uh, this in the centralized world where there are banks that are financing startups to purchase. Uh, to purchase, uh, you know, A100s and uh, service that loan using, uh, you know, the profits that would they would get out of A100s. So some of them are actually encouraging people to put that on Akash as well. So a bank could, could service this loan by, by you know, uh, by uh, by having the condition where the st- the company that took the loan should put their supply on Akash and use the profits to to service this loan. So there's a lot of opportunity, I think, from a very different way of looking at how we look at financing operations for, for, for AI, uh, you know, uh, institutions. Now that's even better when we have like model marketplaces on chain. I think that's going to happen very soon. Uh, I, I, I know a few, few, few blockchain projects that are working early stage, but they're really working on like giving you the best, like, you know, runtime in terms of cost, cost to run your model. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, all that should be like, hyper-connected uh, and these marketplaces uh, should encourage protocols or, or like DAOs to, to uh, you know, uh, to be able to like take a loan and, and use, use that loan to, to purchase compute and, and uh, fully service that on-chain and fully like verifiable using Akash and Yumi and stuff like that, right? So I know it's a little uh, aspiration, but I, I totally see that as a possibility. I think in a year, you're going to see something, a business, really big business built on this model cheap capital, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even on the censorship resistance side of the cost, I mean, you see Mars right now has to geoblock US users, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're hosting their own equipment. So they're, um, actually, yeah, you know, it's, so they're responsible, right? They're, so, they're actually I mean, running on a cash. It's very interesting with Mars, right? They, they're on a cash, <laughs> but they, they put a sidecar, uh, a Nginx sidecar with, uh, with the Cloudflare wrapper on top of that geoblocks, I think they had to comply because it, somebody has to, it's one of those things. It's just, you know, it's either protocol, you know, that has to comply, uh, you know, or the provider has to comply, somebody has to comply with, with OFAC, right? Like, as, as long as you're in the U.S., I guess, outside the U.S., the different compliance. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting how these things evolve over time. Yeah, very cool. Hopefully, Brandon, we can, uh, you know, move all of our front end stuff 
to Akash in the short term like Mars does, you know? We have to. GCP doesn't <laughs> make me the biggest headache, so. <laughs> yeah, you, you have no idea how big our headache is today, Greg. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, um, I, I solve pain points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. Anyways, uh, save 15 minutes with Greg so we can save you 50% or more on your cloud bill, so. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I'm loving it, man. That's, that's fantastic. How is that not your, your like, Twitter bio? That's crazy. Uh, I tried that for a little bit, but I have a few of these, you know. Uh, That's awesome. I had a company use a computer salesman, so. <laughs> That's great. All right, well, we're about up on time. Greg, is there anything else you want to share with the community? Anything that's coming up? Maybe some alpha leaks on yeah, uh, like, this, this new? So I would love for community. I mean, you, you thank you so much for hosting me this incredible conversation. As you know, Reminder, Akash is fully community-owned, community-run organization or non-organization, as a matter of fact. You know. So I'd love for uh, community members to get involved. To go to github.com slash Akash network slash community is a repo. Uh, you will see all the activity there, right? Everything we do, like including our product requirements, including our friction point discussions, uh, the, the how teams build stuff, Everything is public, right? Only thing that's private in Akash is personal issues, like you know, HR issues that we can't really talk publicly, right? So uh, nothing else. Even like when you write something and I want to get feedback, I put that on GitHub to get feedback from my own team. That's how radically open we are. So we love for people to contribute and get involved. Uh, go to our community repo. We're looking for, you know, engineers, non-engineers, economists, any skill you have, there is a place for you. We have about 30 projects you can get involved with to whatever level. And we also have now now an on-chain funding mechanism uh, to fund uh, public goods, right? So we have public goods funding, we call that our pool, we call that PGP. Uh, so, you know, if you have an idea or if you, the way to get an idea is to get involved in the groups and just, you know, lurk around or contribute, doesn't matter. But if you like get, come to a meeting, you'll have a really good idea on what kind of problems that, that we need to solve and what kind of problems we get funding. Uh, all that information is available for you to just, just go, go, go thrive. So I'd uh, love to welcome your, your community to our, our, our uh, repos and, and go check it out. And, uh, I'm all, and always reach out to me. Greg Oster is my Twitter handle and I'm always on Twitter and available to answer any questions. Absolutely. Well, yeah, everybody, uh, thank you again for joining us uh, on this episode of Into the Umiverse. Like we mentioned, follow Greg, follow Akash for all of the great updates you're going to be getting there. There's going to be a lot of innovation. You'll see us using a lot of their tech as well. So really pumped for that. And as always, uh, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Into the Umiverse. Featuring Akash Network, recorded on Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate. 
can show some support, man. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pain. Checking that replay, sing along, and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday, and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual how to turn profit, their future will always be in question. But, for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 Another day, another lesson, living in the eighth dimension, might be worth a little mention, living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel, reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal, just to make a motherfucker wish, aw shit, now you only got two left, you know what I wish, we didn't have any loose ends, you know what I miss, listening to excuses, now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose, that's what happens when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointing too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Spaces.